Yo, yo, what up, what up? This is your life coach, Jacob Sokol, and welcome to WTF Should I Do With My Life, the podcast that is specifically designed for people in our generation, like you and me, that are looking to live with more happiness, more success, and a deeper sense of purpose while navigating the unique challenges of living today. You know, one of the things that's changed my life immensely is travel. And so often we can feel like travel is unaccessible to us, whether that's because it seems to cost a lot of money or it can seem dangerous or how do we get the time off of work? How do we know where to go? How do we make sure that we don't mess up? I mean, there's so many doubts and fears that I had that kind of kept me away from it initially. But when I actually started to move through these challenges, travel was one of the best life coaches that I've ever had. And so I'm deeply passionate about supporting other people in traveling and working through some of the most common challenges. And and that's what today's episode is about. I talked to my homeboy, Travis Sherry, who uh, runs a website called Extra Pack of Peanuts. And Travis is just awesome. Uh, We first connected maybe three years ago when he sent me an email after seeing a post on Sensify asking me just a great question. And I figured, let me jump on the phone with this guy instead of responding to him in an email format. Just see how I can help him. And it's been really inspiring to watch Travis blow up his business and create some good stuff, serving tons of people over the last few years. And he also kind of serves as my unofficial travel consultant. And he busts my chops a little bit about that when we start the interview. Um, But I... I'm excited to get this wisdom out. And, you know, I'm in Bali right now. We just wrapped up our third annual uh, Dharma Dollars and Dopeness retreat. And I've been to Bali now six times, and I've never paid for a flight ever to get to or from Bali. And I actually flew business class on the way here. And we'll go into how I've been able to do all that goodness. So uh, I hope you enjoy. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet me at Jacob Sokol. And yeah, sit back, uh, relax, learn some stuff. This is a great session that kind of is like a, a tasting of the different topics at the buffet. And in the interview and at the end, we kind of nudge you that You know, we nudge you in a direction that you can get more info on any of the topics that you're most interested in. So enjoy it, my dude, my lady. Hope you are great. Sending you a big hug, big love. Let's do this. Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to today's interview. I'm here with my homeboy, Travis Sherry, who is my unofficial travel consultant that gets me all over the world in a way that does not bankrupt me. Uh, he's been doing this for the last couple of years, and uh, he's a great friend and just a hell of a guy. Trav, thanks for being here. Thanks, man. What do I have to do to become official, though? Official? I mean, I want to be your official travel consultant, the Sensipi official travel consultant. We can get you on staff, dude. There might be a you know payroll opportunity for you. Yeah, you just have to pay me in in some beer and chocolate. That's all, man. I like where this is going. Uh, fantastic, dude. Well, I'm glad you're here. And you know, for everyone who's listening, travel has been such a important part of of the transformation that has happened in my life over the last five years. And it really started when I took a trip to Europe by myself and kind of just awoken to these new possibilities for what life could be and who I could be. And some of the things that were really deeply ingrained in my 
self-image and my identity as to like who I thought I was uh, got challenged and questioned in the best way possible. And those fears, those limiting beliefs, those that part of myself that was like, you know, you're not this enough, you're not that enough. Um, all that kind of melted away, and I just was. And you know, I'm, sounds kind of zen, right? But like, I just was, and I and I was traveling and I was exploring, and that's why I'm so passionate about helping people who are in a place where they're you know looking for more in life and kind of using travel not as a as a destination not as like oh I'm going to take a trip and then my life's going to be better but but as a way to open up themselves to the possibilities of who they can be and what life can be and uh, and use travel as a vehicle for that so I'm particularly excited to have Travis with us today to help unpack how to do some of that um, Trav, let me let me throw it back at you. You know, how is how's travel kind of shown up in your life and and helped to shape who you've become over the last five years or so? Yeah, what I think it's really important what you just said. Travel is not just going to a destination, but a vehicle for self discovery, self worth, all types of things. But what's really interesting about that part of it is that a lot of people. Some people might see it like that. Maybe you saw it like that, Jake, when you went, you're like, all right, I'm going to travel and this is going to help me you know, figure out who I am. But I think a lot of people don't know that before they travel and they only pick up on that fact either while they're traveling or when they come back. And then there's this moment of, wow, it wasn't just that I went and I saw the ruins of Machu Picchu or I went to Thailand and had an amazing time. It was that I went there, I met these other people you know, because to me, that really is the, the crazy moments and the best moments of traveling is the people that you meet, whether it's other expats, whether it's locals, you know, whoever. And they come back and they think, you know, I'm seeing things from a different light now. And I didn't realize that was going to happen when I went when I went away. And that was more my travel experience. You know, I I had no idea. Like, I didn't use it as this path to enlightenment. I was certainly not that advanced when I decided to start traveling. It was more, okay, you know, I want to see something. Like, I I know there's more out there. I don't really know what it is. I want to start seeing something. And the very first trip that I took that kind of allowed me to realize the freedom of travel was a trip that, looking back now, is very unexotic and very unsexy, but it was a road trip down to Florida. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a trip that I've taken... You're like an old Jewish lady. Yeah, right, right. A trip that I've taken like 50 times now. I'm on 95 with all those people with the New Jersey and Pennsylvania and <laughs> Massachusetts license plates going like 65. I'm like, come on, go faster. Um, and But I was 18 and I just finished high school and my sister was going down to college there and um, I... You know, she was going to fly, and they're like, can you take all your her stuff down? And I'm like, sure, sure, sure. Figuring out, ah, just be an adventure, and, and it was. I mean, I went with a buddy, and those ten days were the very first time that I ever tasted like freedom. I mean, we got on the road, and we had no plans. We just knew we had to get down there at some point. We had no idea where to go, really. Um, within five minutes, true story of us getting in the car, we had to call his dad on a cell phone, which not many of them existed at that point. It was 2001. So, you know, there were cell phones, but there's this big Nokia cell phone. Like, hey, we're trying to get on 95 South. We're in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Like, do we go 476 East? That's like, where are we going? And uh, he's like, you're never going to make it. You're never even going to get out of this 15-minute radius. So um, that really just opened my eyes to this idea that, man, I, 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 like, 
when you travel, you don't know what's going to happen. And that's why I love it so much. Your senses are so alive. Like every little dumb thing that I could recount about that trip of stopping at a random college and just walking on the campus and walking around like seems so basic and easy. But we would just pull off and we'd say, let's do this. We went to like the smallest church in America because there was a road sign to it and goofed off and took funny pictures. And that's not something we ever knew was going to happen. So I just think that when you get out there, things happen that you're not both in the event. Like, I didn't know I was going to go to a smallest church. But then when I came back, I had no idea that that would change the way I looked at stuff and say, man, that allows me the freedom to kind of do what I want. And and obviously then that spurred me on to travel a lot more. And there's a few other times that travel has really spoken to me. And maybe we'll get into those a little bit. But it just... It just changes you whether you think it will or not. I, I, I don't really see anyone coming back who says like, oh, yeah, that was cool, but I'm exactly the same person. Maybe mm. you don't take off on a crazy life where you travel all the time like I do or we have a big self-discovery, but usually there's something that inherently changes because you're seeing something new and, and that's a pretty cool thing. So I've got like 10 questions I want to ask you, and I know that we've got a limited amount of time here. So let's see if we could do some rapid fire, if that works for you. And uh, sure. you're like, fuck hold, you, Jacob. Hold, no. No, hold me you. accountable, man, because <laughs> I, you know me. I could ramble for an hour. You wouldn't get a word in edgewise. So yeah. rapid fire is good. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, for everyone who's listening, you know, one of the things that you'll take away from this is the is the ability to travel much more cost effectively that's that's kind of what trav helps people do in large part is to travel more and spend less in the process so we want to make sure that you get a trip wherever you want to go in the world for a very uh, cost effective amount Um, that being said before we get to that uh, how if someone wants to take a trip and they kind of know inside like all right i want to take a trip but i don't exactly know how to pick the perfect trip and maybe they've got a job so there's a limited amount of time that they can take off of work and they really want to get it right what advice do you have for those of us who are like you know how do i pick the right trip that is a fantastic and very hard to answer question because so we're starting off hard here it's hard because i don't think there will be a right trip but i do have some tips and we have done a podcast about this and i remember thinking how am i going to do a podcast about this and then my wife heather and i just started talking and ideas came out as we were talking you know we didn't know what we were going to say believe it or not when we started and there's a few things one i would never tell someone to plan a trip around what other people say is great so like take the trip that you want to take and if you don't know what that is well what do you like doing when you're not traveling so if you hate museums don't plan a trip to like hit the 50 greatest or 10 greatest museums in europe maybe i mean you could throw one or two in there but if you're someone who's like i love uh, you know being outdoors i love kayaking whitewater rafting mountain climbing don't plan a trip that's then going to take you to do stuff like museums and and vice versa so always dig into what it is that that you actually enjoy doing you know if you were had spare time at home what would it be that you would do if you could you know if you could do some sort of activity so that's kind of the first thing cuz i think people get caught up in this idea of like well i've got to go to the louvre while i'm in paris because i'm in, i'm in paris i don't think you should skip it but if you hate museums you should skip it or if you only have 3 days 
and you want to go up the Eiffel Tower, well, go up the Eiffel Tower instead of the Louvre. So that that's one thing. I, I would also tell them to not worry about something being perfect. And a good example of this is I helped my buddy plan his honeymoon to um, Argentina. I had never been to Argentina, but I'm like, here's what I heard was great in different places. Like you could, you should go to Cordoba, you should go um, to Buenos Aires, you should then go over to Uruguay and go to Montevideo and all that stuff, right? Well, he flies in. And um, his the first place they go is Cordoba, and he hate like he called me up or Skype me or something. He's like, um, "We've been here two days. Is it wrong that I absolutely hate this place? Like, why does everyone love it?" And I said, "I, I can't speak to it. I've never been, but like, just hang on. Like, it's okay to hate it because that's what's going to make the places that you go that are awesome even more awesome. So to have those high highs, you have to have some things that aren't perfect." Mm. And and everyone said they love Penang, Malaysia, and I went there, and I'm like, this I, I this is the one place in the world that has not like met my expectations, and I didn't really like. So that can happen, and if it does happen, don't like freak out and try to make that place perfect. Try to just roll with it, take it for what it is, enjoy it, and then move on if you have to. Yeah, yeah, and you make a great point, which is that there is flexibility in the travel, and depending on how you book your trip, you can always decide, yeah, I thought I was going to spend five days in this place, but you know what, a day or two is enough, and it's time to move on. As I asked you this question of how do you, how do you pick the perfect trip, it's funny because this is what people ask me about life. It's like, how do I pick the perfect path in life? And I'm like, there is no perfect path, right? Go inside, we'll do this together, let's figure out what matters most to you, Right, and then how do we choose a path that's in that overall direction, and uh, and so it was funny to hear that come out in uh, in my in my question to you. And the other thing I'd also throw in there is to to forget about trying to figure it out in your head and just go into your gut and like say, okay, when if you could travel anywhere in the world, right, where would that be? And just notice what comes up, right? right. You don't need to be committed to that. But for me, you know, places that have came up have been Thailand and Europe and Bali and and just trust what's coming up for you and kind of use that as as a starting point. Now, the next thing that, you know, people might say is, well, it's easy for you, Jacob, easy for you, Travis, right? You guys are billionaires, which obviously we are. And uh, and so, you know, how can how can people who feel like they can't afford to take a trip like this, how can they go about actually making it a reality? Yeah. Um, as opposed to inheriting a billion dollars like like both of us have. Yes. If that doesn't happen, as you can see by this office I'm sitting in, there's nothing on the walls. Um, the easiest way and, and the way that I was able to do it because I wanted to travel more and this came about out of my own desire. I wanted to travel more and I was working as a teacher in Japan and making just like okay teacher salary money, right? That, that I could travel on but not as much as I wanted and, and not all the time. Um, you know, and I stumbled upon a, uh, an idea of what is now known as travel hacking, which was then known as nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that is, you know, using different rewards programs, whether they be frequent flyer miles with airlines um, or like points that you get with credit cards or hotel points, obviously with hotels, to travel a lot cheaper. And so this idea of travel hacking comes about with, all right, how can I earn miles and points from from airlines and credit cards and things like that to fund my travel. So if you don't have to pay, I mean, the two biggest expenses for most people when they're traveling, unless they're traveling in a very unique way, um, is going to be the, the plane ticket, 
there and it's going to be the accommodations. And so if you can wipe the plane ticket out to almost zero, if you're listening to this, you know, ask, actually think about that. Like if you didn't have to pay for a plane ticket or if that plane ticket costs 40 bucks under $100, would that allow you to travel to a place? And the answer is probably yes. I mean, we've got some tips that even if that doesn't allow you to travel, how you can travel even cheaper when you're on the ground. But if the plane ticket is is almost zero, you know, I, I would say under a hundred bucks to be safe, but you know, uh, close to zero, that allows you a lot of flexibility, and that's why Heather and I have been able to travel, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars worth of flights in the last three years because we've spent probably two thousand dollars, which even two thousand dollars might sound like a lot to some people, but you know, we've been to thirty countries, so like spread it out. You know, it's not much. Um, so, so, so let me jump in. So, you said you had a hundred thousand dollars worth of tickets, and you've spent around two thousand. Is that right? Yeah, and that is a conservative estimate. Like, if I actually added up the real value, because we take some crazy trips and last minute trips that would be, you know, like a last minute ticket might be five thousand instead of what a regular one would be a thousand, right? Uh, you know, I'm kind of being conservative by saying like, all right, a typical trip to this place would be a thousand. So it's it's well over a hundred thousand dollars worth of flights if we had paid out of pocket for every flight we had taken. Um, and that and that's because we use frequent flyer miles. And and the biggest misconception is that you know you have to fly a lot to get frequent flyer miles. You know, I I've earned over three million frequent flyer miles in the last four years, and like 10,000 of those miles, like less than 1% have been from actually flying. And it's all because I've learned how to open up the right credit cards to give me the right points, how, how to make sure them like participating in promotions that get you tons of points in one little go, which especially during the holiday season is really applicable because, you know, you can do like reward shopping. So I don't know which parts you want me to touch on, but Basically, this idea of getting frequent fire miles by being smart with the credit cards you're opening and smart with your spending um, has allowed us to to travel for almost free anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. So I, I heard about travel hacking five years ago or so, and my initial response to it was like, I don't want to mess with that. That seems a little like it could mess up my credit, or is right. it immoral, or is it is it even illegal? And when I started to notice some people who I admired, who I knew had a strong moral compass doing it, I I kind of said, okay, well, let me look a little bit more into this. And coupled with the fact that I really didn't have much money to travel, made it an right. easier decision. Uh, and so what's cool is I know many people who've had that experience, many people who've initially been like, well, that frequent flyer stuff sounds kind of cool, but... Yeah, I don't know. And then when they actually open up to the possibility of doing it, fall in love with it. I've got a friend who's gone to India now. He, I put him onto your website, and uh, you know, many people who I've sent your way who've even come on our Bali retreats. Once someone signs up for our Bali retreats, we actually send them. I think an interview, a private call that we that I did with you, and we're like, okay, well, you, you're coming to Bali. You want a free ticket? Right, like, how does that sound? Do you want to save a couple thousand dollars or whatever it is in, in flights, and and we've had many people who've done that. So you know, at this point, I, I've personally done yeah travel hacking a shit ton, and I've introduced a lot of people uh, to it. Um, but my biggest hesitation was, is this going to mess up my credit score? And I think right. what it's actually done is improved it, ironically. Right, and and we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of it. If people want to dive deeper into that, you know, we can send them to the right post, specifically answer their questions and things like that. But 
long story short, I was the same way. When I heard about it, I was 28. I had never had a credit card in my life because I was one of those people like, well, I don't, I didn't understand them. You know, I'm like, oh, credit card means that you go into debt. Like in my head, that was that. My parents had them. I don't know where that came from, but that's just was my perception. Um, I remember even before I moved to Japan, people were like, you have to get a credit card. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to. But anyway, so I had no credit card, no, zero frequent fire miles to my name. So I was, if anyone's in that boat, I was in that same boat. And I heard about it and I thought, yeah, what is going on here? Like, is this, is this weird? Is this immoral? Is this illegal? And now how I break it down to people, I say, you know, like they're giving you the points. And I also thought it was confusing. That's the other thing. People are like, oh, I've heard about that before, but it's it's obviously really confusing. It's only for people to nerd out on, like Travis and Jacob and these other people. Well, it is confusing in the beginning on purpose because obviously the credit card companies and the airlines don't want you to use the points because if it was really, really easy to use, they would be out money, right? Because everyone would use it. So that's why 10% of people use it and 90% of people earn these rewards and then never use them. So long story short with that is, you know, if you're someone who understands how to use them and it's not even that difficult, you know, you pull off a few layers, you learn one trick. Okay, now I can book a free ticket. Okay, now I want to book like a crazy ticket. All right, that's another layer. If, you, if you're one of those 10% of people who actually learn how to use them, they, they don't care that you're using them because the 90% aren't doing anything and they're building loyalty with those people because they they have the points, so they're happy, but then they don't use them. So it's funny because I've totally flip-flopped, and I'm almost like it is my moral obligation to help people who are earning these points because it is theirs. It's almost like someone gave you dollars and said like, but made it confusing to use them, and then you're just sitting on dollars, and then you don't use them. It's like this is yours. You've earned it. They've given it to you because you've opened a credit card or you've spent money on it or this and that, so use it. And um, yeah, with a little bit of knowledge, it can go a long way. So it's in no way immoral. It's in no way illegal and, uh, at all. Um, and the credit score part of it, without getting too much into it, the more credit you have, the higher score will go if you continue to pay it off. That's why if you open up more cards and a few cards – your credit will rise over time, and, and I've seen that happen with mine, too. Over the last five years, it's gone from you know, like 710 to like 770, and I have 50 or 60 credit cards. And I don't tell people to do that, but that's just the extreme version. Like it, it works all the way up the chain, no matter how many you get, as long as you're paying it off. So you guys heard it first. Go get 50 credit cards immediately. Right and uh, Okay, awesome. So that being said... Um, let's talk about how to actually accumulate points in the best way. Because when people talk to me about, you know, earning points based on spending categories and all that, it, it to me, if you really want to geek out on it, you can. But I'm I'm looking for what's the simplest, most effective way to accumulate enough points to take me where I want to go. And for me, that looks like not signing up for a credit card. Unless there's like at least a 50,000 point bonus. Um, Travis, so if someone is like, all right, I decided I want to go to Bali. In fact, I'm going to apply to go on Jacob's retreat in Bali at one day. And I'm, I want the points to be able to go for free. Uh, how do they uh, know which card to apply for and kind of what makes sense? Yeah, and this, this actually is a real life example because I've had a bunch, as you mentioned, a bunch of people who have gone to Bali who have said, who started at, at nothing, basically, or they had a few cars, but it wasn't doing what they wanted to do. And, um, and so what I usually tell someone who's, who's starting or, or is new to this is 
you are 100% right in that the credit cards will get you the large chunk of miles. So let's start with if you have a credit score over 700, and you can check that for free on creditkarma.com or creditsesame.com. Don't, don't like buy any of their stuff. Just go sign up for a free account. It'll give you an approximation of your credit score. You're 700 or above. You're good to go. If not, you know, then hit me up. I, we have some stuff to, to walk you through how you can get your credit score up. And it might take some time, but it, it's worth it in the long run. Um, and so if you're over 700, then you're like, okay, the big chunks of miles are going to come from credit cards. There is a lot of nerdy stuff you can do. And uh, don't tell all my readers and listeners this, but even to now, I've started to shy away from like the, everything other than opening up some credit cards and then spending wisely on them. Like I'm not going for all the category bonuses all the time or all the in-depth stuff. It's like you want 80% and the easiest way to do that is to get these credit cards. So the best way to start is to look at where you want to go. And and now this doesn't matter as much because right now as, as we're recording this, for me, the best points that you can get because, and this is an important thing, is that not all miles are created equal. So for example, you could give me 100,000 Delta miles and I'd be like, okay, I don't care. I'm probably never ever going to use them because they're really hard to redeem because they don't they don't give you a lot of availability. But if you said, like, I'll give you 50,000 chase points or 100,000 delta miles, I would take 50,000 chase points all day. And that's because, to me, those are the best ones. Mm. Um, so you want to make sure you're, you're getting the, the best miles because the number is important. Like, you don't want to sign up for something that's 25,000, but there is a variance of that. It's the same as, like, I think of it as a currency, right, Jacob? If I'm like, hey, I'll give you 100... Um, Indonesian rupiah, or I'll give you, I think it's rupiah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. 100 Indonesian rupiah or 100 US dollars. Like, you're going to check which one's better before yep. you make that decision, and you, you should choose the dollars because uh, 100 rupiah is like half a cent. Um, <laughs> so, in essence, the, the, the chase points is what I love the most because they're really easy to use and they transfer to, to a bunch of different partners. So, if you want to travel domestically, you can transfer to Southwest. If you want to travel internationally, United is great. Um, and the chase points themselves are, are valuable to use as like cash if you want to use them that way. So I always tell people, unless there's a specific circumstance of like, I only ever fly out of this airport and this or that, that ch- the Chase Sapphire Preferred is the best personal travel credit card that you can get if you're a beginner because there's no foreign transaction fees. So you can take it to any country in the world. You won't get dinged there. Um, their customer service is great. You get right now, as we're saying this, you get a 50,000-point bonus um, for spending 4000 in three months. Again, this might change depending on when people listen to it, but to give you an idea, you spend 4000 in the first three months, you get 50,000 points. 50,000 is getting close to enough to get a free round-trip ticket to Bali. Yeah, you're coming close. Um, and, and for the people who feel like, well, how am I going to spend $4,000 in three months? Uh, there are ways to, to do that without having to spend the money. For instance, if I, if I send that money to Travis through PayPal uh, that, and put it on the credit card, PayPal will, will charge me 3%, I believe, but right. then we're talking about it costing $120 or something in order to meet a $4,000 requirement in order to get that card. And, uh, and then you've got yourself uh, nearly a round-trip ticket to Bali for that, that cost. Uh, another good one. Yeah, that's a good point that if it's hard to meet that $4,000 spend, and, and unfortunately, there are, it's not that hard for me anymore where it used to be really hard. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, 
But if it is hard, you know, some things that I, I recommend people do and I used to do, you know, you can put on someone you trust as an authorized user. So maybe that's a parent, maybe maybe that's a friend, you know, just make sure you trust them. And what that means is they get a card in their name so they can use it. So if your mom has to purchase a couch for $1,500, you know, be like, hey, she's an authorized user. She has her own card. She would give you the money and then you'd pay off your credit card bill. So that's a really easy way for people who can't make it naturally is to have other people who are, who are spending help them out on that card. Um, another way is that you can donate to organizations like Kiva.org, um, which is like small business lending. So if you donate $1,000 today, that counts against your credit card spend, but they will pay you back over time. Now, you do have to pay that $1,000 off you know, when your credit card bill comes, but you will get that money back. So it's almost like loaning. Well, you are loaning them to get paid back later. So there are some unique ways that you can make these spends. You can prepay stuff, Jacob. Like you can sit there and say, hey, um, I'm going to prepay six months of my health insurance or six months of my gym membership or car insurance, whatever. You know, anytime you have a monthly recurring thing, you can prepay um, and do that. And the last thing that I would tell people they could do is buy gift cards. So you could buy like a a $500 or $1,000 Amazon gift card or a Visa gift card. The reason I say Amazon is it's, it's like it doesn't have any fee. Like if you pay 1000 bucks, you get 1000 bucks for the Amazon card. And, and just know and put, put that somewhere safe and know that you'll use that in the future, but it's counting against your credit card spend. So, um, yeah, th- there are ways to do it, but the Chase Sapphire Preferred is the best personal travel credit card, the one that I would urge people to start with. And if you want a business card, the Chase Inc. Plus – is the kind of the, the business version of the Chase Sapphire Preferred. So I have both of them, and they are the two cards that I use for almost all my spending. Like yeah. even now that I don't have to meet a spending requirement, they're the ones I use because I love the Chase points. Yeah, yeah. So guys, you know, my intention with this interview is to wake you up to the possibility that you could travel wherever the hell you want to travel, whether you feel like you have the money or not. And my hope is that you'll take action on this. And we're, we're kind of just glossing over some of the different categories here. But Travis has dedicated the last, I don't know how many years of his life to helping people just like you and me be able to make this happen in a really grounded and practical way. So we're, we're going into these little different concerns and, and, and inquiries in order to just awaken you know, that part of yourself to know this is possible. But uh, what I would suggest is that uh, if you are serious about this, get some accountability. You know, you can email me, you can email Travis and uh, just let us know, you know, I'm doing this. This is for real. Or you could tweet us as well. Let's make it very 2015-ish. And, um, and, and, and take action on it. Get, get to work. Uh, Travis's site is called extrapackofpeanuts.com. And uh, he's got a ton of great resources on there. And, uh, and then in addition, you know, what I do or what I've done in the past is I've actually just paid Travis. He, he, you know, twisted my arm to the point where he's like, you need to pay me money in order for me to help you. It's not actually true. He, he did it so much for me for free that I actually, you know, made him take some money from me. But he has a, a service on his site for, it's, I think, $150 or something for the first person uh, in order to help you with all of this stuff. So it's so worth it if you're talking about a ticket that's going to be 
you know, thousand dollars or even more in order to have him just walk you through the process of this. Travis, is everything I'm saying accurate right now, or, or my for the for the most part, for the most part, we have changed that. Well, we are constantly changing stuff. So yeah, we uh, now with the, with the booking stuff, like I I don't do it as much anymore. Um, but we do have like I have people who I've taught who who do it for me. And if we get overloaded with requests, we just send you to um, actually a company that does it full time. Like they don't write blog posts or anything like that. All they do is book tickets. I, I forget what their prices are. Similar, right? I mean, you're not going to pay an arm and a leg here. It's going to be like a hundred fifty a person, maybe for a trip. Um, and they're friends that that I suggest for that part of it. If you're like, hey, I have the miles, but I don't actually want to book it, and then. You know, for the people who do want to learn, we're actually revamping our whole frequent flyer boot camp course um, to be accessible for anyone, whether that be someone who just start is just starting and only wants like the ebook version and will learn on their own, all the way up until the the kind of VIP first class package, which is like you know private membership into our community and and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, you can learn it all. You can learn all about that stuff at extrapackofpeanuts.com. And there's a lot of free stuff there. So I tell people, like, dig in. We've laid out the start here page to basically be a chronological order of, like, if you know nothing, start here, then go here. You know, it's like one of those choose your own adventures, except you can't choose which way you go. We're forcing you down the right path. So it's like, if you don't know anything, and that covers car rentals and accommodation, stuff we haven't even talked about, too. But. Um, a big part of it, obviously, is frequent fire miles and then also even how to get cheap paid tickets because we know there's a lot of people out there who are like, hey, this frequent fire stop is great, but for whatever reason, I can't get into it. My credit score is not high enough or you know, like I, I just don't want to do that kind of thing and that's fine. Or I live outside of the U.S. where you can get frequent fire miles, but it's, it's not as prevalent um, unless you're in Canada. They have it all right. Um, so we also do a lot with, all right, well, here's how to find the cheapest paid tickets as well. Because as everyone knows who has searched for airfare, there's crazy fluctuations. Like you could go this minute and a trip 600 bucks, and then you go like three minutes later and it's 750 bucks. You're like, whoa, what, what's just happened? I mean, it's constantly up and down. Yeah. So we figured out the best way and, and the path to put you on for that to be like, do this, 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 and you'll guarantee that you're finding the cheapest one that's out there at that time. And, and we tell you when to look, too, because that's important as well. So so, so, so I promised some rapid-fire questions, and right, now, right. now I'm going to throw them at you. So we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, how about um, people who feel like travel might not be safe, especially with everything happening in the world today with ISIS and just overall kind of chaos, um, that maybe travel doesn't feel safe and or traveling alone doesn't feel safe? Well, I'm not going to be one of those people who say, look at what's been happening in America with the mass shootings, um, because that gets enough play on Facebook. But as far as traveling, being safe, ju- just be aware. Like, don't do stuff that you wouldn't do at home. You know, there's stuff that I would not do in Philadelphia. You know, I would mm-hmm. not walk around certain parts of the city in the dark. So don't feel like you should do that then if you're somewhere else. Um, I would say overall, I feel actually... And I, I'm not scared at home, so don't take this the wrong way. I'm not like hiding in this office, clutching a blanket. I feel very, very safe in most places in the world, and that's because I'm going to places that are inherently pretty safe. You know, I'm not going to Syria. I'm not going to Iran, Iraq. Although I have friends who have and, and swear that they feel just as safe there. So, just be vigilant about it. I, 
I would say don't – if that's what's stopping you from traveling and that's the only thing, go do it. And go do it somewhere where you think is – in your head is the safest place because I can sit here and tell you all these places are safe, but you might not believe that. So if for you the safest place is Canada, so take a trip to Canada <laughs> and like dip your toe in the water and then be like, all right, I was totally safe there. Why don't now I go to uh, you know Germany or Switzerland, which are – very safe for them. Why don't I go to Czechos- or Czech Republic? And then why don't I go to Thailand? Like, just keep pushing your boundaries um, if, if safety is the biggest issue. How about if people feel like they have no one to go with? They're inspired to take a trip, but no one wants to go with them. How do they deal with that? Well, you, you could earn enough frequent flyer miles to, to get someone a ticket there. And that's what I do with my parents. Like, I'm like, come visit me in Japan when I live there. And they're like, ah. And I'm like, what if I get your first class ticket here? Will you come? You're like, well, we're not going to turn that down. So barring that, that's one way. The other is, you know, I haven't had this issue a lot because I've traveled with with my wife predominantly. But if you don't have, if you feel like you don't have someone to go with, you know, you can try to talk your friends into it. But that might, think of it, flip it a little bit. If you have to talk someone into it, it's probably going to make it a worse trip because you had to talk them into going. If you're adamant about going, you're excited about going, then go like because that might ruin part of your trip by like bringing along someone who's like, eh, I, I guess I would do it. Think of it as like, I don't want to ruin my trip, so I'm going to go alone. And that might change because you the ability to meet other travelers um, is it's really, really easy when you're out there. Both of us can speak to that, Jacob. It's like stay in a hostel instead of a hotel that's going to or a local guest house instead of a hotel that's going to yeah. give you the option to meet travelers. And um and I think you're going to have an experience that you wouldn't if you went with someone else. And it's probably going to allow for even more growth, solo travel. Totally. So that's like a whole different type of experience going by yourself because it forces you to talk and to open up where when you travel with someone, it's almost like you can you can stay in your safe little bubble and you, you just get a... Uh, it's not it's not nearly the same as the type of experience you get when you're by yourself. So so love that. Um how about not speaking the language of the place that you're going? Going to Japan, I don't speak Japanese, you know, what do you say to that? Well, I say that I for 3 years said I was going to make a 5-minute video about how to survive in Japan as an English speaker and I haven't made it yet. But I do have a podcast about it. So someone should listen to that if it's Japan specific. But overall, I don't speak any other languages except for a small amount of Japanese from living there. Certainly not enough to like walk into a, a, a dive bar in Izakaya and like start chatting people up. So, um, I, or I could if I had enough drinks, but they probably wouldn't understand anyway. <laughs> that would um, be part two to our podcast yeah. episode. So, if you don't understand the language, I, don't worry about like just don't worry at all about it. I would say grab a phrase book if it is worrying you don't let it stop you but grab a phrase book learn the first you know the most important 20 words thank you hello um you know excuse me where's the bathroom all that kind of stuff and um and just give it a go because it kind of makes it fun as well but you know I am not Benny Lewis who speaks 11 languages I speak basically one that's English and we've gone you know 40 countries most of them not predominantly English speaking countries mm. and you you get through you find that a lot of people will speak English anyway and um and that not knowing the language can be kind of fun because those interactions that you have are with a non-English speaker I've had I could tell a bunch of stories of like literally not speaking to someone for hours but having an amazing experience you know so mm. 
yeah, I, again, I, if these are your worries, uh, the safety, the traveling by yourself, the language, I understand that because I also felt that way before I traveled. But from someone who has now done it constantly for four years, don't, don't let that stop you. That's the worst thing you could do is let those things stop you because they're almost irrational fears because when you get there, you're going to see what we mean of like, oh, oh my gosh, this is way easier and way better than I yeah. thought. Yeah, and what most people don't realize is that English is the language of the world. And it's just another, you know, kind of privilege that we have uh, being American that we take for granted is not realizing that, you know, oftentimes if two people speaking totally different languages meet in a totally different place, English will be the language that they'll communicate in, even if it's neither of their primary languages. Uh, Trav, here's another irrational one. Um, what about the fear of getting sick when you're traveling? How do you deal with that? <laughs> well, uh, if you have to have a root canal uh, the day before a retreat in Bali, um, you, you send a message to your travel friend and ask if he knows a dentist. But I didn't. Uh, that was a story that actually happened. Jacob sent me a message. I'm like, I don't know a dentist in Bali. Go find one. Um, getting sick is bound to happen if you travel a lot. So know that. But you could take precautions. You know, uh, one of the things I always say, like, you know, as far as eating, we'll touch on this really quick, but eating, you know, eat where the locals are eating, eat when they're eating. So don't eat some like a, a meal at 3 p.m. if no one else is eating, especially in these third world countries, because maybe the stuff's been sitting out, you know, um, if I, I, we always take a little bit of medicine with us, like stuff from home, like, for example, Tums, we take Tums with us everywhere because they solve a lot of issues and they're, you, they're hard to get. I don't even know if you can get them anywhere else in the world. So we always take Tums with us and things like that. But we have had some experiences where we've had to end up in hospitals. Um, you know, Heather had to get uh, go to the ER and get stitches at a hospital in Thailand. So when we've had a big thing like that happen, we have been really pleasantly surprised with the fact that in almost all parts of the world, there is some Real, like Thailand, there's very, very good medical care on par with with here. So, mm. and that's you might not think that if you've never been there. It's it's in essence a third world country. Um, so just know that it might happen, but don't let it scare you. Take some medicine with you that you if you need certain stuff that you might you might not be able to find. Just take it with you. Um, and if something major does happen, you know, I, we do get travel insurance as well in case we had to be like medevac and we we're not going to pay fifty grand. Um, but stuff is really cheap in other countries. Like an ER visit cost us $30. For an ER visit, stitches, medicine, everything, it was $30 U.S. So um, I, I, I'm happy when I'm like I, – I feel more comfortable getting sick and having something major happen to me in another country than in the U.S. because I'm like, oh, man, is my health insurance going to cover this here? Over there, I'm like, I'll pay out of pocket. It's 100 bucks. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, yeah it's funny. Thailand is one of the, the greatest – uh, has some of the, the greatest, I think, I don't know exactly what type of doctors you would call them, but in case you are looking for a sex change operation, that, that would probably be your place to get it. Yeah, and, and also there's like a lot of people go there for medical tourism, like yeah. the plastic surgery and stuff that here is not covered by medical insurance that would cost them a ton of money. They go there because it's it's literally like a 20th the price. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, I uh, got my last dental cleaning in Bali specifically because I knew that the the procedures would be up to par with Western medicine, but the price would be a fraction of it. Uh, Trav, thank you so much for handling all of our crazy questions and fears. Appreciate you. And how can people engage more deeply with your work and or keep in touch with your crazy ass? 
Yeah, so the best way to like just see the best way to the best place to go for everything is extrapackofpeanuts.com, you know, and like I said, start here page is the best place to start if you don't know anything, if you know what you want, that's cool too. If you like podcasts, we have a podcast, we have 203 episodes, so feel free to binge through all of them uh 24/7 if if you like it. Um you can get the podcast iTunes, Stitcher, however you're listening to this one except if you're on Jacob's site. If not, if you're on Jacob's site, go to extrapackofpeanuts.com/pods, P O D S. That'll give you every episode. Um if you want to just follow along with our adventures, um Instagram is a great place. Uh that's at pack of peanuts. My wife Heather does a fantastic job like catching good stuff of what we're doing, putting it up there. Twitter's at Pack of Peanuts. We, you know, we got some device that instantly sends it to Twitter if we do Instagram as well. Uh, love technology there. And then um, Facebook, we use too. But is, does anyone use it for their business anymore? I don't know. There's like 5,000 people like our page, but I, I don't know if that means anything. Um, so, yeah, those are the best ways. And um, for anyone who is interested in learning more, we are revamping our frequent flyer boot camp thing, so you can learn basically all our stuff for free on our website, but if you want it convenient and dig in, you're like, I just want the answers. I know this is what I'm going after. We'll have a bunch of different packages for you, so we're doing that as we speak, and uh, January 1st will be like kind of the new release of that. So you might want to check that out as well. Cool, man. Well, a deep appreciation for you to continue doing what you're doing for opening people up to the possibilities of living differently and uh, exploring parts of themselves that they'd be excited to explore but didn't know was possible with their current set of circumstances. So thanks for all the work you do, brother. Appreciate you and uh, great having you on here. Hey, it's my pleasure. I just wish I had more than 42 minutes to talk about travel. Okay, we'll have to get you back on. I I love the way you just invited yourself back in very (laughs) passively. (laughs) Always want the opportunity to speak to you, man, about travel. So, yeah, guys, travel more, spend less, just go out and do it. It'll change your world even if you're... Even if that's not what you're going for. And take action on this, guys. You just listened to an entire interview on this. I know that your soul wants it. Now's the time to take that next step and make it happen. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Travis on his website. Or same here, you can reach out to me through the Sensefew website. Have a great rest of your day, guys. Peace. Cheers. Soul Sibling, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate you, and I appreciate that you're using your time and your energy toward making yourself a better person and the world a better place. So if you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast, and I'm excited to deepen our relationship, to get to know each other better over time, and to see how I can help you solve meaningful challenges and create your most fulfilled life. We've got a great community over here, And we run retreats all over the world. We've got people who connect with each other and support each other and living the most fulfilled life. And what I'd suggest for your next step is to grab a copy of The 12 Things Happy People Do Differently. It's a scientific-based approach to happiness, and there's a lot of great wisdom out there, but this in particular is researched back from some of the world's leading positive psychologists in the world, and it's super grounded, super practical, how you could do these 12 things that happy people do differently and rock it. The article's been shared over 100,000 times on Facebook, and there's some magic in there. So in order to grab a copy of that, you can go to thankyoujacob.com. Sounds simple, and it is. Thankyoujacob.com, and uh, grab that immediately, and I will keep in touch through personal emails that I send out a couple times a month and all that goodness. So for now, sending you lots of love. 
Keep it real. Follow your heart, but bring your head. Peace.